This looks familiar. Vaguely familiar. Almost unreal yet. It's too soon to feel yet. Close to my soul and yet so far away. I'm going to go back there someday. We have lived to geek another day. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 37 of Sketch Watch Play, a pop culture podcast every four weeks talking movies, TV, cartoons, video games, and everything that comes with those. You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and most third-party podcast apps and directories. If you want to send us feedback on topic suggestions, you can email us at sketchwatchplay at gmail.com. And if you enjoy what you hear, you can support the show both by leaving positive reviews on iTunes, which will help more people discover us, or supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash behon. That's B-E-H-O-N. Pledges of $3 and up will be getting early access to future episodes. Uh, I am John Flory once again, and I am joined today by our longtime guest host and brother, Patrick Flory. How are you doing, Patrick? Hey, man, I'm good. It's good to be back on. It's good to... Good to be rocking and rolling again. We are back and took us long enough. <laughs> <laughs> and granted, there there are reasons for it. But it, it is crazy to think I was looking at, I'm aiming to publish this at the uh, towards the end of August, like a week and a half from this Tuesday recording on, the 18th. And it's crazy to think it's been basically a whole year since our last update, because the Mortal Kombat episode was out, I think, September 1st of last year. Yeah, I mean, it's not like there's anything crazy that's been going on in the world not since then. Not at all, we'll get to that. But I... I did need that break regardless. During it, I've, I think we, we've both been getting some cool stuff done because I'll just I'll just get out of the way real quick. Because I, I brought it up in the past, WarioWare Gold Reanimated came out this spring. People loved it, and I had a blast making it and seeing it all come together. Uh, you've watched it, right? Yeah, I loved it. Congratulations. It was a super fun blast. I think um, it was kind of amazing to see how many creative minds came together to put their spin on this thing that... I don't know. It's always fun to watch those things because I find yeah. that there there are all these things that feel so much like your own little like piece of nerddom that like I feel like we grew up you know playing the WarioWare games and it's like Nobody oh this else. thing where I like didn't know anybody else who was even interested in this yeah and then you see all these amazing talents kind of come together and start working on this thing and it's like oh cool there were you know there's a lot of people who have the same nerdy interests that we do and i don't know it's just super super you just fun just gotta find them the internet can do can be, can be responsible for a lot of bad things but can be responsible for a lot of cool things too um yeah also I would second that yeah also that i talked about and it took me long enough to get it out but the collab was a big reason it took so long why are tune 7 completely done this like big like 15 minute long could almost be a tv episode on its own that was fun to do um people seem to enjoy that as well and i have you to thank for something kind of a new avenue i've started on since we uh did the last episode uh, first off, you're an improv uh, actor. You have been for some time. Yeah, yeah. I went to school for, for theater, and then uh, once I graduated, I was like, I actually don't think that this is what I want to, to do. But I was like, you know, I, I desperately miss that kind of, like, performance itch that got scratched by doing all that uh, stuff. So I got into improv in New York before I moved back here at, at the Upright Citizens Brigade, uh, taking classes up there. Uh, and having a lot of fun, but then I moved back to D.C. and got involved with Washington Improv Theater, WIT, and have been having a blast yes. there doing, you know, teaching classes, coaching teams. Yeah. I'm on their their house team, iMusical, where we, you know, 
sing and make up a musical on the so spot. Good. I've seen a couple of, of those and they're hilarious every time. And obviously you guys, the group performances are on hold due to COVID, but you're still doing a lot of streams and remote improvs. Yeah. So I am, uh, my, me and my fiance, uh, Kaylin do, uh, we're doing for the first chunk of COVID kind of like a weekly two person virtual improv show mm-hmm. with our team bugs, which worked out well because we, you know, we're actually in the same place and improvs, you know, it's, it's hard to do with your, without being like, right with a person so it was nice that we were together able to do that um it was really awesome yeah you mentioned fiance so it's it's not as though you've had any uh life milestones going on over this past year <laughs> yeah either. nothing no, no changes uh, at all no not at all since since last time we talked though no i've gotten engaged and uh now as of yesterday we are two months away from the wedding which is um uh, going to be you know as because of COVID, a much smaller uh wedding but it's of happening kind of just immediate family members and stuff um but it's happening John is one of my two uh, best men. I guess not best men, best people. Best our, people. Sis- best our sister Caroline is the other best person. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just going to be great. I'm super, super psyched about it. Yeah. And Kaylin's an amazing, I mean, obviously you know it, but our tour listeners who were like, who's Kaylin? Well, she's awesome for one. Uh, fellow improv students, super funny and hardworking person. Because like, what would you define her field as again? Because I mistakenly so said humanitarian, she- but it's a little more than that. Well, kind of. I mean, she she runs a uh, gender, a, uh, oh my gosh, you're going to have to edit this because I have to say her uh, profession better than this, but she runs kind of the uh, gender equality and social inclusion team for a contractor for USAID. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, uh, she, you know, is, is auditing and working with projects, you know, across mm-hmm. the world to make sure that they're uh, inclusive of all genders and all different kinds of people with different, uh, uh, you know, disabilities and um uh, uh you know, different walks of life it's very cool yeah yeah she's a very you know we need more open-minded people and kaylin is one of the most open-minded out there so yep. she's doing a good cause and she's also just a really funny and charming person and honestly i would love to have her on the show at some point maybe someday yeah uh, and i you know i'm gonna just because we're we're you know talking about her i'm gonna plug her you know all the, the improv stuff is on hold right now but uh she's part of the all women team at washington improv theater hellcat and they are just the funniest team at the theater they're awesome. amazing you can find uh recordings of almost all their, their performances on their the youtube channel yep go to wit dc on uh youtube that's w-i-t-d-c and you can find all of all, almost all of our like live performances from the last i think they started doing it like four years ago and there's nice. just a million things on there it's awesome yeah also she's not the only uh addition you've made to our family Oh yeah, we also we we adopted a COVID dog. Um, That's which crazy. Is, I shouldn't have said like that. It doesn't mean that he, the dog has COVID. It means uh, that we oh, got the dog again. during COVID <laughs> times. Um, we got Breton, uh, who is awesome and uh, a cutest. little lunatic, and we love him. He's a he's he's a he's a shelter puppy. He's mostly he's almost full grown, but still, yeah, he's about still, nine months old right now. Yeah, he's still getting used to things, but he's a very kind and loving dog and very cute. Yeah. I love his pieces. I've been calling him the nephew, and you've been calling him your son. He's um, my son. He's my son. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like how a family dog Oakley you call her Snoke. Snoke's yeah. And I'm She's like, and I, I said to you recently, oh, what she was a failed Palpatine clone or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember um, how Snoke came about. Except rhymes. But uh, yeah. one of the things I I wanted to say since I brought up. Well, and when I was reading up improv, because you had told me for a while, John, you should try this. I think, I think you, I know you're not big on doing acting yourself, but I think you'd be fit in. It was fun. And I did several workshops and they enjoyed my, uh, spontaneity. And I didn't say, well, I'm going to do theater or film workshops in my life, but I was like, you know, 
I already do. I, I'm pretty. They've been saying I'm pretty good at coming up with like these different personalities and voices. I'm a cartoon geek, and I've already. You know, I've been that lifelong geek who's been like, oh, you're that cartoon character. You're like, yeah, I know who that is. I know. They've, and they've also voiced this, 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 this. Like that will never end. That's been going on forever. So I've been taking up indie voice acting. Uh, have been, and you've been doing kind of getting your your foot in the door on a lot of cool things sure, recently. Yeah, yeah. There's. A lot of it is, is, is indie or fan projects, but it's been fun to see. There's one guy who does, uh, Lego recreations of like Marvel movies. So I've done some side rolls in that. There's a really cool indie game that's coming out that's actually gotten some good hype, but I'm as excited as I am to say about that. I got NDA'd for that one, but a lot of it's just, it's just fun stuff like Smash Brothers Machinima, which is, you know, when they film it using footage from the game and I'm voicing a Pikachu. Uh, and just other stuff like that. There's there, there's more that's going to be coming down the line, like another indie game that I got a role for recently. But they're just the main thing is these things take time. And yeah. Uh, but uh, when there's, I think that well, you know in the future when there's more stuff to uh, talk about when it's out or being promoted, then I'll I'll name drop it towards the end. But another neat thing is that I did my first one-on-one coaching session, which uh, was really cool because it was someone who I recognized. Katie Lee, who, if you don't know, but if you're a fellow millennial, if you watch Gummy Bears, she was in that. She was in Dark Green Duck. She was in Muppet Babies. She's in one of our favorite games, Grim Fandango. She has one of the funniest moments in that game with Pamela Adelon, because they're the skeleton kids. Do you remember when you played the chainsaw in front of them and they go yeah. into hysterics? Yeah. Hey, kiddles, check out my bone saw. Stuff like that. She was super helpful uh, and super great. So uh, shout out, Miss Lee. Thank you so much. Outside of that, I've uh, I'll be quick. I've still been doing more drawings and animations. Um, my Instagram is mostly drawings, uh, behind art. Uh, I did like a lot of bunch of my Animal Crossing villagers when you know the world was swept up in that initial launch. Uh, another. Did you watch the Sonic X reanimated? Uh, I, I watched the chunk that you worked on okay. and uh, uh, probably a little bit more of it, but I, I can't yeah. say I watched the whole thing. Yeah, well, we're not Sonic Heads fans for one, but that yeah. was that was that was really fun to watch too. That's another one that I mean, I think it's a little easier for you to buy that, that there's a lot of Sonic fans out there. Yep. Speaking of which, the last movie I saw in theaters was the Sonic movie, and I think our I mean, like you said, dumb but fun, and I'm like, I wasn't for me, but I'm glad I'm glad people liked it. I'm glad it did it did well because I think it's also helped it helped you kind of reinvigorate your your you know your fondness for Sonic because it, it's what finally got you to try Mania. Yeah, I ended up hopping back in uh, a little bit and remembering. I think I think basically I hopped in for the first couple adventure games and the Genesis uh, ones and the Genesis ones and I I loved all I I kind of loved those but then then as things went on they just kept losing me and losing me and losing me well, until the Heroes and Shadow point that I kind of fallen off the Sonic train a little bit yeah, and, and I was telling you the movie came out and I I kind of hopped on my Switch and I got Mania and I started looking at the old Sonic games and playing them again and I'm just like oh right you know I know there was some annoying stuff but these games freaking rock I love these games all oh, right Sonic Sonic can be fun yeah and I've been I've yeah. been trying to get you to play Generations because I think that's far and away the best 3D one but it's it's been tough getting you a system that can play it properly yeah. <laughs> Maybe someday. And real quick, yeah, the recent media, I'm finally getting to the Final Fantasy VII remake, which is really good, and I'm recommending you try it at some point. Um, we're not some people who are that, who hold that game as reverently as other people do. We were more Ocarina of Time kids, uh, but it is good. I've been on a Saints Row kick due to the recent remaster of the third game. I know that's not your thing, but goddamn, I love that series. And I'm revisiting Pokemon as well. Uh, I told you, you didn't know that I hadn't beaten any of the main games past Gold and Silver, so I'm like, I gotta fix this. So I'm trying to generally go in chronological order, so right now I'm, I'm gonna do like two at a time, so I'm doing Let's Go. I know I played the originals, but, I, but one, that was a Christmas present from you, and yeah. two, I 
like an HD remaster of Gen 1, that's cool. So I'm doing that and uh, Alpha Sapphire. And then I'll just be working my way up to uh, my copy of Shield that you also got me. Or maybe it was- yeah, which you know I'm a big fan of. I, so I've been a I'm I'm kind of a Pokemon devotee, and I go, I go back to your first guest appearance on our Pokemon episode. Yeah, exactly. And so I I've played and beaten all those games, and I just I love them desperately. And I um I I loved I loved I loved the Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee games. I understand that um you know some people were like ah there's not enough that's new. But for me, it was such uh, kind of like a, a beautiful version of a game that I like knew yeah. so well. It felt just like a like a really nice nostalgia. I I, I I give video game remakes more leeway in terms of not enough new. Like I told you, you should try the Spyro remakes. They didn't. They barely changed anything. But those games are so great and now. They look great. So whatever. Yeah. Um. And just real quick, uh, because we were talking about, <laughs> we joked about. Oh, not like there's nothing going on in the world. So I had originally been meaning to get the show going again in the spring, but obviously COVID happened and I wanted all of us to have a little more time to figure out what our new routine was going to be. So I was initially going to uh, resume things with Patrick. Unfortunately, and if you follow my YouTube and Twitter, you know this, our grandmother passed away when I did the movie viewings with. That was around June. So I, I won't dwell on it too long, but that was something like, let's give me and Patrick a little breathing time. And then I was like, well, maybe I can, uh, well, Chris has been, you know, Chris is the OG where there's nothing to, oh, Black Lives Matter protests happening, and Chris being an activist and and black male, that's uh, that's not affecting him at all. You know, Chris, you can have a little breathing room too. And uh, we've had other uh, people have been on a bunch. Like I think Felipe is is probably our most uh, recurring guest host behind behind you. But I just wanted to be like. You and Chris are the ones I'm closest with, so if I want to revamp, re, not revamp, but revive the show and kind of give this more personal update, it should be with either of you. Just to touch on, uh, I know usually I wouldn't touch so much on our grandmother on a Sketchwatch Play podcast, but well, she, we've um, the fact about her is that she's it's such okay. a part of our uh, our lives, and the fact that those Mimi videos were kind of so big for uh, a good while there, it's been so nice. For the first few weeks, it was very hard, but in the last couple of weeks, I've gone back and revisited... Uh, some of those videos, oh, um, especially like the first Star Wars ones, and more recently, just the there's some great videos. If you haven't watched them yet, folks at home, the uh, John has her go through all the Smash Brothers characters and decide what she thinks their name is. Yeah, um, and those videos are uh, just like so lovely and so worthwhile. And she is so game, and it is just so so funny. Yeah, um, and yeah, I, I really I. I, I uh, I really ad- advise people to check them out. They're just so fun. Yeah, you can find a list of her cha- uh, videos on the channel. It's called Showing My Grandma Movies and More. Um, that channel's not going anywhere. I'm working on one more. I'm just, just, it's being retired. But I'm doing one more scripted video to go over other stuff we watched but didn't record and just thanking people for being such fans and supportive. Uh, and there's been other stuff we've done, like um, the Hobbit movies, the first Toy Story, like it's, uh, Force Awakens. Unfortunately, we never got to... I think our last Iron um, Marvel movie was Iron Man three, and so and actually on our, our last conversation together, I summed up what happens in Infinity War and Endgame with her because the plan had been to wrap up her Marvel history with those. But yeah, it was it's sad, but it's also just an, a, a nice to look back on what an amazing time we had and the legacy she left both for you, not just for you two, but like obviously for our family as well because one of a kind, that woman. Um, yep, hundred percent. Yep, but we don't have to dwell on that too too much. I we have some uh, some games to dwell to get into. So and the first some games though, to dwell on. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to do some dwelling on on some of the games in particular because they had a major impact on me. But uh, this first one has not had an impact on me, but because I have yet to play it. But Patrick, so I think you said you've beaten it. How is Ghost of Tsushima? I swore to protect this island with my life, never once betraying my code. 
So I sunk a lot of hours into Ghost of Tsushima when it came out. Uh, I've been playing. I've also been like playing through some of my back catalog of stuff yeah. recently. So it's been a it's been a very gamey uh, two months for me. And I'll get into some of the other stuff I've been playing too. But Ghost of Tsushima was the big one recently. And um, I'll just start off by saying that I think it's very awesome. I loved this game. I thought it was a blast. You'll you'll see a lot about people online kind of talking about the monotony of the side quests and how some battles become repetitive. And while I think those criticisms are uh, entirely fair, and at times I felt them too, yeah. I will say the art direction of the game, the actual play style of the game, the combat style, the world building that the game does and the kind of the world play that it does is just... So wonderful. I had such a blast playing this game. Um, now, had you been keeping tabs on it before it came out? Like, because they, they announced it like three years before, before it was released. Yeah, I, I had, I'd kind of just been keeping tabs on it just basically, but I hadn't, I hadn't done any deep dives really. I'm trying to deep dive uh, a little bit less because I found that some things uh, spoil too much before I started yes. playing the game. Um, and I was getting kind of sick of that. Um, but I, I, I went into this with, with pretty fresh eyes. And just for those who haven't played it, um, the game follows kind of the samurai uh, of the island of Tsushima feudal um, in, in feudal Japan uh, during the uh, invasion of the Mongols. And you basically are the last remaining samurai after they're wiped out. I'm not spoiling anything. This happens in the first five minutes. Yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah. But they uh, after they're all wiped out and you're kind of torn between this um, honor code of like going and like facing your enemy and fighting in an honorable way. And also like fighting, uh, like, like reconciling that with the fact that you're fighting these enemies with no honor. Um, So you uh, start employing new techniques like stealth kills, killing from afar, killing in the shadows, killing in secret um, to kind of save the Island. And I don't know. I just found the game so addictive, uh, so fun. Um, I think they're, you know, there are a lot of like, there's like three tiers of quests in the game. There's right. like main quests that follow that you like got to do to complete the story. Right. And I think those are very fun. There are main side quests that have uh, you going off and kind of completing the stories, stories of like these six main side characters that you meet, um, six or seven. And I think those are very fun. And then there are all these side quests that are like, Save this farm from Mongols. Save this farm from Mongols. Save this farm from <laughs> Mongols. Uh, and it's fun, but can get repetitive if you kind of stack them up in a row. Yeah. And then there's also like little annoying things. There's like there's so much to collect and get in the game that it's like overwhelming. Um, it's a little overwhelming, and it's like oh, you want to visit every idol, but to find every idol, you've got to find each fox den. And then once you find a fox den, you must just follow a fox for like five minutes until it takes you to the shrine. And it's just like. Ugh, it feels a little bit like they were trying to get that like 50 playable hours like thing on the box padding um, as opposed to just like really focusing on like the core really awesome 20 to 25 hours of the game. Yeah, um, I, so I talked to you I know about... I just focused on the negatives a little bit, but I will say it's like it's so worth a, a, a playthrough yeah. and it's really, really fun and super addictive. Yeah, I... I'm a little sad that I haven't gotten to it yet, but I've just been so busy with other stuff. I was interested in this one when they announced it for two reasons. One, I feel like that is such an underutilized t- setting, like maybe not, not Japan itself, but feudal Japan and samurai and that such, especially in open world. We haven't really gotten that, but also uh, the developer, Sucker Punch, who mm-hmm. we both know for the uh, original Sly Cooper games, which are a lot of fun. And you didn't play them, but I played all the infamous games on PS3 and 4. 
Uh, that's another great series. And it is kind of fun to, you can compare them to how back in the day, Sly's sister series were Ratchet and Jack. And it's fun to see how each developer with each generation kind of in some degree would grit things up a little more when they tried new series mm-hmm. because uh, Infamous, it was comic booky, but it certainly wasn't, you know, cartoon animals on a heist. And, you know, they went and then when they went from uh, Naughty Dog went from Crash to Jack to Uncharted to Last of Us. And that's a steady climb. Um, I couldn't see Crash Bandicoot 2 causing so much uproar on the internet, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I just, for the record, Death Threats to Lord Bailey, that's the stupidest thing in the world. You can hate the game. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to say really quick. Yeah. If you are reaching out to a voice actor and like- Or writer. Threatening them or like or like like harassing them for a character they played in a game, yeah. truly, truly reevaluate your life. Like same reevaluate with, your choices. Same with like a writer or director on a game or movie too. Like you heard about Ryan Johnson getting those same Death Threats yeah. last Jedi. Like- Ridiculous. Oh, fuck off. You're not going to change it. You're not going to get what you want that way. Um, but- and also the same thing with Insomnia kind of sideline because they did that Resistance series on PS3, which was like gritty, their Halo almost. And then they did uh, Sunset Overdrive, which I love, which was a very silly game. And then uh, Spider-Man, which kind of, you know, that normal Marvel tone, the bouncing fun and heavy, uh, while also keeping Ratchet going. They're the only one who kept their PS2 one going, uh, ripped apart, looking forward to looking forward to that and Miles Morales for PS5. Like, Ooh, oh, my man, God. I'm looking forward to that Miles Morales. That was an amazing Morales. E3 conference. Um, and side side note, for miles. yep. Side note, uh, we recently rewatched. We've started doing family viewings with you, Kaylin, me, and our sister. Uh, the first one was Spider Verse, which our sister hadn't seen. So you had recently told me, "Oh, I think it's my favorite animated movie now. It's the one that beat Iron Giant." And after this last viewing, you're now like, "This is my favorite movie." I just think it's perfect. I wouldn't change a single it, thing about the movie. Pretty, I pretty I love. Everything about it. I love the art style. I love, oh my God, the voice acting by everybody in the movie is unbelievable. Yeah. I love, I love so much about this movie. Um, and I also just like, it is a, it is just like a mark of this movie. And Iron Giant is like this for me too, which is, I think, why it stood out for me is like, I have now, it's, I mean, this movie has not been out that long, but I've watched it probably 11 or 12 times. And it is just, every single time I watch it, I feel like I am like enjoying it for the first time again. It's have, just, do you own a so copy great. or have you streamed it? I've been streaming it. I mean, when it came out on Netflix, I was like, I'd be I'm, happy I'm to loan you my Blu-ray of it if you want the extra features. I do kind of, yes. I, yeah, was, I was actually at your apartment uh, and I was leafing through the the art book that I think is awesome. Oh, yes, yes. That was a, um, I don't know if I got that for myself or if it was a Christmas gift, but man, that's, of all the movies that you want to see, the art but it goes to Tsushima. So, like, what are some, are there other things you wanted to bring up about it? Like, what the strength? You, you were talking about a lot of the repetitive stuff, but like, what... What about the story or the combat or the world appeals you to most? So uh, I would say, you know, the story is simple. And I mean that in actually a pretty good way. It's like you you are not inundated with a million characters. You're, 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 you're given your core group. It's focused. Um, people that you know, and it feels very focused. And you really get a good sense of these folks. And I think it's it's really, really nice. My favorite thing about it, though, is the combat and how kind of customizable your play style is um over the course of the game i played the game totally differently like three or four different times when it started i was like so obsessed with getting good at the sword combat with the parrying and the special moves that you can do and then after a little while i was starting to get these bows and these upgraded kind of archery material 
And then you kind of, uh, 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 I got obsessed with that. And then I got obsessed with like the stealth aspect later on where I was doing all these, you know, like silent kills. And then, you know, later on, there's like a, there's like a mode in the game where when you're at your like most honorable, you can walk up to like any enemy camp and just like yell out to them, like come face me and people will come out and you will do like a duel Wait, with you, them. You Meta Knight? Uh, just, exactly right. Just yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Basically, I mean, the, the way that it works is you, you throughout the course of the game, there's a bunch of different armor types. I think there's like maybe even as many as 12, but definitely like at least 10. Um, and each of them like highlight a specific kind of play, like an archery play, like a, a stealth and combat play, like a stealth and archery play, like all, all these different things so that you can find what works best for you. And like while you're upgrading certain kinds of armor, um, it'll like really heighten one version, uh, one, one play style. And I just found it, I think what's one of the reasons I found the game so non-repetitive uh, in the main story, because I was constantly finding new ways to take on these these guys. And I, I will say, I'm uh, usually, uh, it's one of my great shames, but I'm usually a player of things on, like, whatever the medium difficulty is. Oh, I, I, that's my default, um, too. That's fine. And, uh, and I think, yeah, I think that's totally fine. I think anybody who gives you crap for it is an idiot. But um, there was so much joy in this game in playing it on the hardest difficulty and like truly like forcing yourself to learn how to approach people the you, best you i didn't even me, mind when i was like dying five times on one mission i would like replay it and like oh my gosh it's it feels so good when you get past something i remember you went through the same process with sekiro and that was one of your favorite things about it yeah sekiro i i i started that game like four times and was so frustrated the first three times <laughs> I played it that I was like, the hell with this game. I'm never playing this again. It is so stupid. And then something about it kept bringing me back. And eventually on like this fourth playthrough, something in my mind just clicked where I was like, hey, you know what? Like you're supposed to try these things a thousand times in this game. This is not supposed to be like an easy playthrough. Well, oh, I, thought, um, I thought you were going to say the other thing you, the setting that you uh, realized. Yeah. And the, you know, the, it's, it's interesting. The, the, uh, a lot of these games have in common, but they have a lot more not in common really. Like Sekiro is such a combat focused game. Like right. it it's is not open world. It is, that is all it is. And you're like on like a fixed path to a point. And ghosts is just, is, is not that way. I think they're both great for their own reasons, but they're different. I think Sekiro is probably a more, it's probably like about the most rewarding game you can beat that I've maybe ever played. Huh. Um, but Ghosts is like a little bit more kind of just joyful in its play. It's just like, it is just a blast. And it's like, it's, you know, it's so rare in a game now that I like stop and stand back, like, like stand back and like look at just like how awesome it is to be like riding my horse through like this field of tall grass while like, you know, uh, all these cherry blossom petals are like blowing in the wind. I've heard it's absolutely beautiful game. And I'm just like, it's, it's just gorgeous. It's a, it's a gorgeous game. And there's a lot of like really beautiful mechanics in it that I really, really like. Um, I mean, there's some clunky ones, but the, the ones I really love are like, you know, there's no, there's no like mini map that you're following to like get to objectives. Instead, when you're trying to find uh, a location, um, the wind blows in the direction that you're supposed oh, to be nice. going. Like, I know flower that. petals and stuff like that. So it's following like immersive. You, like, the blades of grass and you follow them. Um, and it's just like, it's little touches that, like that, that I'm like, oh, this game is just cool. It's just cool. Yeah. And I, I am going to go back. I will say, um, there's a style in the game that's very fun. I didn't play through the whole game this way, but it's an option to play, um, 
Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. Who did Seven Samurai? Um, Kurosawa. Kurosawa. There's a Kurosawa mode in the game Is it like a filter? that you can turn on that makes it black and white, gives it a film grain, and also like employs some camera angles during parts of the game that make it look more like a movie. And you can um, play it in Japanese it's too. So fun. Did you, you know can play it in Japanese too? The Japanese playing, I started the game in, but it's a little lame because got to focus on they, subtitles. They, they well, they sync the voices, uh, the, the mouths up with English. Oh, they don't change uh, it language and they don't change it for the japanese ones so oh. it's like the opposite of your average dubbed movie where yeah. it's like you're watching it in japanese but their lips aren't syncing up that's a shame and it looks and it like looks surprisingly like it looks very lame so i i bailed on the japanese yeah. voices pretty quickly say, but the voice cast is is really solid uh the main guy is voiced by somebody um from that i i know from man in the high tower mm-hmm. um that i think does a really excellent job it's very very fun also the cast is predominantly asian which Good on Sucker Punch. Oh, yeah. I think, like, everyone. I Yeah, yeah. That would, that's something that I think people have gotten a little more attuned to. Uh, which yeah. is good. Or even with new ones, looking forward to whenever Shang-Chi drops. Yeah, and so I, I, I'll just go out on it by saying, like, I think it's it's a solid 8.5 out of 10 that is super, super addictive, um, super fun, and I think you get your 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 money's worth. And it what all the, I left the game feeling excited for the sequel, because okay, I'm, I'm sure whenever that gets made, uh, here's hoping it gets made. Whenever it that does get made, well, it, get there's going to be a it, sequel. Yeah, I just hope that it it takes out some of the redundancy and maybe uh, gives you uh, gives gives like side side characters a little bit more personality uh, sure. in a more GTA style. I know we can't compare all open worlds to GTA games; it's not fair. But but to give them a little bit more would be worthwhile. Yeah, that's one of the G- that's one of Rockstar's strengths is like everybody who gives you a side mission are these very Define characters. Um, yeah. And, but I, yeah, I, I, I just, the general consensus I'm getting from a lot of people is it's not perfect, but it is an incredible game. And if, when the sequel comes out, they iron out the stuff you're talking about with the side quest, they could have a real masterpiece on their hands. So it's a very Agreed. promising, for a new, especially for a new property, it's a very promising start. Yeah, I agree. So play Ghost of Tsushima. I know I will at some point. Uh, but now I think it's time for us to get to, uh, you know, uh, something just as artful. I, mm-hmm. I, that's actually only partly a joke. You, we'll get to why well, I, I, I gotta say that. But first, let's pause. So, I'm gonna say first off, I think this is. I'm gonna make a special occasion for this episode. This is probably going to be the first segment we ever do where I have constant background music the whole time, like quiet background <laughs> music. But there's a good reason for this because we're tackling. An incredible, incredibly scored series when it comes to, well, the the country moniker. We'll 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 get to that. But like, oh, I thought I'm, you meant the DK rap. Just the DK rap on loop for an hour. Like, <laughs> can't get better than that. It has to be the uncensored version either. They took out the hell of a guy when they put him in Smash Brothers, and not my DK rap. I, I is that I true? Know. Yeah, it, 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 from melee forward. If you listen to it, it's one heck of a guy because they probably got. That some. is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Maybe parents complained, you know? <laughs> Stupid things. But, um, th- yeah, no, this is... We are talking, like, the entire history of the, the Donkey Kong IP series, and it, it, it's... Uh, I'm surprised that it's taken us this long to do it, but I'm also looking, thinking about, like... I feel like it's inevitable we're going to do a Mario episode someday, because, come on. And if we're talking Nintendo, we have done Pokemon and Zelda, uh, maybe something else I'm forgetting, but... It, when it comes to the ones that I think have the the, the most, you know, fondness in, in with me and Patrick, 
Uh, well, Pokemon's a big one, obviously, and so is Zelda, and so is Mario, but I think Donkey Kong, because of like the timing of when certain games came out, this series means a lot to us. And now, real quick, it, it, the interesting thing is, we kind of really fell in love with this series when it basically got a soft reboot, you know, kind of a revival. Um, mm-hmm. I think we should kind of try and tackle this chronologically. Uh, but I will say the first thing is, let me ask you, what are your first memories of becoming aware of Donkey Kong, like the game series? So my my first memory really is Donkey Kong Country. Yep. Um, and and I guess to a lesser extent, there was a, a, a the the Game Boy game we had as well. We'll get to that. Um, but but I think I think more more than that, I would say Donkey Kong Country was the big one. Um, but but for me, really, I I feel like I watched you play Donkey Kong Country a thousand times. Yeah. And then by the time we had Country Two, um, that's when I was like really playing. Yeah. Um, you were you were like so that's. Go ahead. That's the first game I think I ever beat. That is the first game I like. Feel like I played to death. Yep. Um, that is the first game uh, that I like truly made me like be like oh video games can be amazing yeah we're gonna get to that like uh but uh, my first memory i i want to it feels like country because i think that just made such a huge impact but if we're talking chronologically i have to look back the uh, game boy game came out like half a year before Um, okay but uh it's weird because i I, I feel like my memories are of seeing Country and not knowing what Donkey Kong was. So maybe we were just late to get into the Game Boy game. And those were at the same time. But here's here's my point. Um, the funny thing is, if we're talking history, like, the original Donkey Kong kind of made the Nintendo we know today. I And I want to talk a little bit about the arc, those original, that original arcade trilogy. Because, one, they are pretty fun. And two, they're just some neat things to go with it. Like, it wasn't just the birth of Donkey Kong. This was the origin of Mario. Yeah. Like, 1981, this was pre-Super Mario Brothers, this is pre-Mario Brothers, that arcade two-player game with the pipes and the crabs and stuff. Funny story, that I, I, there's just a lot of fun history behind this. This game kind of saved Nintendo to some degree. They were starting to do video games, they had done something called, like, Radioscope, they were doing some stuff that just had bomb, nobody remembers, and they had this young graphic designer named Shigeru Miyamoto, who perhaps you have heard of. And here's the funny thing. Originally, it was going to be a licensed game. Do you know what Donkey Kong almost was a game of? I I feel like we just talked. I don't remember. No. Popeye. Yes. Okay, cool. Yes, I do remember. Yes. A game based on Popeye. You would play instead of instead of Mario, you would have Popeye. Instead of Donkey Kong, you'd have Bluto. And instead of Pauline, mm-hmm. you'd have Olive Oil. But there were some there were some tangle ups or something like some something you know as often happens some licensing thing caused it to fall through and get delayed and so they I believe it is that they took the gameplay concepts they had and told Miyamoto make some OCs like have somebody with those kind of comparable physiques in that situation and and make your own thing and I don't actually remember if he was directly inspired by by King Kong or other stuff certainly the name and we'll get to that too but uh, he came up with. It's just also funny when you read about, like, why did they give Mario a mustache? And they were, like, just to help, because the sprites were so limited, to help his head be more definable. His face, you could tell where his nose was. Uh, it's amazing how much they had to u- utilize creativity to work around how 
super restrictive technology was back then. And this game was a phenomenon. It became a huge... This was during that initial arcade boom, you know, the same terms like Space Invaders. Uh, I think also people have pointed out it's around the same time as Pac-Man. This is the point where you started to get into gaming having actual clear characters and mascots, which is part of the appeal. It was no longer yeah. like... The, the Pong Ball was not, a, was not a character. The Space Invaders alien blobs were not a character. Donkey Kong and, and Jumpman, originally he was not Mario, he was Jumpman because he was a man that jumps. Here's a fun fact. Originally, before Mario became his own defined character, they had an idea that they would make a bunch of games where he would either cameo or be a playable character, but he would have a different name and like occupation and play style, and he would be, he like codenamed Mr. Video. Can you imagine Super Mr. Video? No one pulled any muscles coming up with that. Super Mr. Video Odyssey, Super Mr. Video 64. It doesn't roll off the tongue as well. Um, And apparently he was named after a uh, uh, Nintendo of America's landlord at the time, who was an Italian immigrant named Mario. Um, So that success led to ones I haven't played as much. I've played the arcade. It's it's fun. And it's just, it's it's very short. Uh, But it's got a good grasp of mechanics. It's got that catchy boom, 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 boom. It's got some of those iconic sound effects. Um, yeah. It is funny to look at how easily Mario will die after falling just a short distance. Like, oh, yeah. He has come a long way. He uh, he didn't have his his, his 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 experience yet, and it's kind of ridiculous how quickly he will die. So we got two sequels, and one, Donkey Kong Jr. So I played all three uh, last night on, if you're on, if you're a Nintendo Switch online member, the NES ports are all on that uh, Switch app. Jr. is fun and definitely builds on uh, the verticality because you're climbing up vines instead of just platforms. It also, a lot of people just love to point out this was the one time Mario was a villain. Since I guess the plot yeah. is in out of anger for, you know, trying to steal his, his girl, uh, he locks up DK and is trying to like, take him to a zoo or a circus or something. And DK, oh, here's his son. Now you gotta get the keys and save him. And it's pretty good. I don't like it as much as two because I feel like jumping when you're doing like the vines and also between the platforms, it's a little clunky. You can tell they were still figuring that out. Um, yeah, I also did the the replays kind of on the on the the Switch NES platform, yeah. and while it's it's fun, I found myself getting kind of frustrated with Junior. It's not um, as intuitive. Just, as I was first. like, I wish you would just do what I'm trying to do. No, I didn't want you to fall. I wanted you to get on this thing or just gently just damn it, Junior. <laughs> well, he is a baby, you know. We got to cut him some slack. Uh, I suppose that's fair. Did you notice though? I, I I it's fun to look back on like what the, when we get to the revamps, what they took inspiration from. Because uh, obviously one had barrels, and that was a big thing. But two, did you notice that there was those little alligator things on the vines that were basically clap traps? Yeah, I actually had. I don't think I'd ever noticed that until I was like trying to like really notice details for this podcast. Yeah. And I was like, I, I always appreciate when they, you know, like really pull stuff from the source material, even if it's something as small as that. I just thought it was yeah. fun. And it's also why barrels were a big deal because that was DK's weapon of choice in the first game. Oh um, yeah, and, weapon, transportation, everything else. Yes, and not. Donkey Kong game related, but uh, for any Smash Brothers fans, if you ever wondered what's up with that hammer, that's a weapon of you know weapon of mass destruction, and why it's that, that they're doing that eight bit music. That was the weapon of mass destruction. Donkey Kong one. That was Mario couldn't kill enemies by jumping them. He had to get that hammer. Um, yeah. And then they wrapped it up with I think this was one of those that even at the time people were didn't know what to make of it. Donkey Kong three is is a big departure. It basically becomes a shooter. Um, yeah. And 
Yeah, I don't really like it. I like it, but I can see why people weren't as big on it. It Even compared to the other two, it's very short. I think it has two levels instead of four. There's a little bit of jumping up and down involved, but it's a lot more like... It gave me Galaga vibes because you've got these bug enemies coming down. You, what, you're also playing as this character who never came up again, Stanley the Bugman. I'm sure people were like, where's Mario? Yeah, I just, I, I guess, I don't know, I don't know what it is really about it. It's, I think part of it is definitely that it's not really a game I ever played as a kid it's either. So I have like no nostalgia factor for it. Um, but I was like, this is repetitive and I am bored. And who is yeah. this bug man? Um, <laughs> he, he got a Smash Trophy years later. So there's that. So did DK Jr. We'll get to DJ Jr. Because he may or may not still be featured depending on your take on things. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it is important to know this game was a huge, this series was a huge deal. There's a reason they did two sequels. There was merch. There was a lawsuit from Universal because of the Kong name. Um, and apparently the reason that Nintendo got off was that it was discovered Universal had neglected to properly trademark the King Kong name so they didn't have legal ground to stand on. Um, I am confident. Yeah, I am confident that they, the last name Kong was obviously a King Kong tribute. They just didn't think about the legal Oh, yeah. The crazy thing, and one we'll never really know because it may be lost of time, is why Donkey? And mm -hmm. it's just, it's probably just a lost in translation thing. Uh, from the sound of it, they were they were trying to make it sound like, well, he's a stubborn monkey. He's a rebellious. And so they were going to be like stubborn like a mule or something. And that came through his donkey. I do prefer that to Mule Kong. Like, it's still, <laughs> why are you calling it, why is he named after another animal? But Donkey, one, it's a little more funny sounding. And two, it gave, it gave Rare the opportunity that I didn't pick up on for years. Every Kong is a two-syllable thing that ends in E and often describes them. Uh, yeah. But I want to show you, so I've gotten, I want you to pull up the uh, list of videos it got here. Did you know the original Donkey Kong got a Saturday morning cartoon? I actually did not know that. I don't think I've ever seen it. So pull this up. Do you see this picture of the city? Is it working? Uh, yep. So there was a show called Saturday Super K in the early 80s, and it was a, man, if I was a kid back then, this this premise would have blown my mind, because it was a bunch of, you know, comedic shorts mixed in one show with different recurring characters, you know, a la, like, some of the Animaniacs, each one based on a game. So you had Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., I think you had Frogger and Cuber, Pole Position, like, a lot of big stuff from that time. And uh, it's, we're going to watch a little bit, but I think it's just fun to see, this is technically the first animated take on both DK and Mario. So real quick... I believe the idea was uh, he didn't kidnap Pauline. Pauline was actually like Mario's sidekick and apparently made his niece for whatever reason. I don't know what to make of that. And they were trying to get DK back to the circus he escaped from. And he would often get, you know, he was a mischievous monkey who wouldn't say much. And they would, uh, you know, he would get caught up in schemes. I know I saw one where like these thugs are like, this guy could help us with the diamond heist. Like, you know, the most generic cartoon plots. <laughs> um, but you know, I think it'll be neat to see Mario and, and DK's designs and voices here. Because this is, a, DK looks like you'd expect Mario, not so much. You got the classic like xylophone hey, music. Come on down from there. That's an early 80s Mario design. Yep. And an interesting voice choice. Oh, I'll get oh, look the voice. At that. He was so lucky to find a group of barrels <laughs> in a window right next to him. Here's where he goes like Fred Flintstone Shaggy. That's a very Hanna Barbera action. Listen to DK's response. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> huh. He's not a, a quipster. He would actually mostly no. just say his name and maybe one word. He was a very, you know, cartoon animal sidekick type. So, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's really nothing special. But I think it's just a neat thing that exists. You were talking about Mario having that raspy voice. Um, that is Peter Cullen, a.k.a. Optimus Prime. And, uh, oh, well, that's interesting. That original 80s cartoon voice who got brought back from the movies. I think you and I know him better as the voice of Eeyore for the past 30 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yep. yeah. And yep, one yep, more. Yep. 
he's on Toonami, which has come back on Adult Swim. He's not Tom, but he's the commercial announcer that rasped, you know, only Toonami. Remember that? Yes, I do. That's Eeyore and Optimus Prime. So we we are, I think a lot of us are, are well acquainted with that guy one way or another, and he's he's still at it. So, but yeah, not not my. Just a little a little update on our last bit of conversation. So Marion C. Cooper, who named King Kong, um, liked the name Kong because uh, some of his favorite words were Komodo, Kodiak, and Kodak. Uh, which he all thought of as like you know you know Komodo dragon you know Kodak bear. Strong, um, he, sturdy, yeah. he liked these strong hard K sounding names, so he he came up with the name Kong um, for hey, the for the King Kong we're, character. We're talking about it. Yes, I did. So okay, I'm actually yeah I didn't know the origin of Kong. I would wonder if it was inspired by the Congo or stuff like that. Uh, I'm just glad it wasn't rooting in something racist. It was yep, well, the, it doesn't seem to be, although who knows? I'm, I'm sure knows? somewhere in there it definitely was. I mean, nowadays you can't, the name Dixie Kong has negative connotations, so there you go. Yep. But uh, we'll get to that. But after, I think um, two things might have led to, you know, Donkey Kong as a property kind of dying off for a while. One, Mario blew up, obviously. You didn't, he didn't really need to carry on. Like, when, past Super Mario Brothers, it was just a no-brainer. Like, let's, let's lean on this crutch rather than Donkey Kong. Um because DK3 didn't go over well. So the the series was kind of retired for a while, and it's funny how, like, look at it this way. Would you consider Mario a spin-off of Donkey Kong? Or, like, I think they're just, like, sister series that are still set in the same world. Just because of the way that Nintendo is set up and Mario being the figurehead, Donkey Kong feels like a spin-off of Mario. It, it is, it basically is that now. is not necessarily true. Yeah, chronologically, it's you decide. But whatever. The point is... Um, like over almost a decade later in 1994 two cool things happened one because we're going chronologically one of my favorite Game Boy games ever the original Game Boy not Color not Advance a technically a remake of the original arcade game because it has those four levels but then it keeps going and you get dozens of these diverse levels it has puzzle aspects because they're like timers to like make your own pathways and such and you, the main gimmick is Mario's got to pick up a key and traverse enemies and get it to this. And then every four levels, you get a boss fight with DK and Junior pops up halfway through too. That game's awesome. I replayed it recently and it holds up great. Yeah, I, I had totally forgotten about the game. And then in leading up to this podcast, I kind of was going through stuff. And that game is a blast. I'm sad. I, I kind of looked around to see if there was an easy way for me to play it's it. It was a little bit too late. It's what? It's on 3DS. Well, then I could have done that, but I didn't. It's okay. Um, you, I'm sure you looked up stuff on it. But yeah, highly recommend. You can get it very cheap on 3DS. And uh, it... Because it, it, I'm very mixed on the Game Boy in retrospect. Not 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 in terms of like its influence or something, but just because it's like the NES. The games are so simple that it can be hard to go back to and get much out of. But there are exceptions. Link's Awakening is a big one. Except now I have the Switch remake, so why even do that? Uh, Pokemon Gen, Gen 1, obviously. Uh, and the original Donkey Kong. Like, these were games that knew how to work within the limitations and strengths of those of those games because like Donkey Kong would save every four levels uh, the levels didn't take super long you could you, you could do a marathon session you could do a few minutes and it's just well thought out it can get tricky it's it's a puzzle game as much as it's a platformer so it might not be for everyone but uh, terrific game and fun fact Mario had some additional movesets in those including a uh, sudden backflip and I think a triple jump that's where they came up with it for Mario 64 this game influenced the main Mario series. Gosh, I never put that together. That's that very cool? cool. That's very cool. Yeah, so seriously, if you, if you just want a history lesson, go play it. Uh, but now I think we're getting to the really special stuff. So around the same time, and I don't know how it 
this partnership happened, but uh, this British indie developer called Rare or Rareware, their early history, they'd done some stuff for like European like systems that we're not familiar with, like the Spectrum and stuff like that, very simplistic stuff. Uh, they also, in the NES and Game Boy days, did a lot of licensed games. A lot of them not very good, but that was often commercialized games that you got to rush those out. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, but they also, it's not our thing we were into, but they created the Battletoads, like clearly a response mm-hmm. to the controls craze, but that's a, that's a game that a lot of people are very fond of and it's actually getting a reboot on Xbox the week we're recording this. So, hey. Um, oh, that's super cool. I had no idea. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually excited about that. I, I, the other game is whatever, but, uh, but what we're about to talk about was, is not in our heads, whatever, but I don't know how this happened, but they, either they approached Nintendo and Nintendo approached them, like we want to revitalize and reimagine the Donkey Kong property, not just as something that plays just like Mario or looks just like it, because, hey, look at this technology we got going on also. Um, it was called Advanced uh, Computer Modeling, I think it's called, or ACM. Now, the the big, the, one of the things that made Donkey Kong Country was a big hit was how it looked, obviously. And here's the yeah, thing. I mean, it still looks unbelievable. There are so many games after it that for years did the same technique that looked like shit, like Rare just knew how to do it right. It's it's kind of ridiculous. Um, it's amazing. I was just playing it through, and I had it, you know, kind of up on the big screen for the first time in, in years. Yeah. And uh, I was just, like, over and over again um, looking at the character designs. And even really the level designs, I was just like, this still looks really gorgeous. Good. Really good. Um, it also helps that you've got an awesome game behind it. Uh, that's one thing. Because the games have gotten a lot of backlash in the in the years following. Uh and I can't agree with that. I think those are very well designed games. But yeah, Country One came out to a big, big marketing campaign and such, and it was a colossal hit. Like this game was a legitimate phenomenon. And I've actually heard um, it's believed that it was one of the things that helped Nintendo ultimately win the war against the Genesis. Because at that oh, midpoint, wow. the Super Nintendo's life, they were kind of flailing, especially because there weren't any new Mario games coming out. Like Yoshi's Island and Mario RPG were still a while away. And then all of a sudden this comes out and it's just like holy crap and a lot of people thought like oh this must be an nc4 game this is what the next the future is going to look like and they were like oh you can get this now on your super nintendo um now here's how they did it because it wasn't obviously they would they weren't rendering these models in real time they would do 3d models and uh you're speaking about how we just we watched jurassic park with kaylin and our sister uh the big brand originally when they that initial you know that 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 hype of the reveal like here's cg coming to its own here's 3d animation look at what we this can do uh there's a brand called silicon graphics or a big big uh company for that rare used their same technology that industrial light and magic had used and that was a big uh promotional promotional sound point obviously because back in that time it was either like it's just like Jurassic park or then you're way later it's just like toy story like or terminator 2 and stuff like that and that's so interesting yeah, I have a, I have a question that I don't know the answer to that maybe you do. Maybe. Um, do you know what caused or like what what decision led like the division between like the Mario and Donkey Kong games? Because for you know when they started out, they were the you know they were the 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 villain and the uh, the hero. the hero, and um, then we moved on to you know uh, Koopa or you know uh, Bowser. Uh, Bowser. And we like right at that point, like I, it in my mind, it kind of melds with you know, uh, it's certainly before you know, Donkey Kong Country comes out and stuff like that. But it seems like there was like a you know an, an interesting decision made where it's like yeah we'll get you know, for like you know the sports games and for Smash and stuff we'll get them back together. But it, we and for Mario Kart and stuff, but we that's the, we made the decision thing. to make them these two very separate properties. Yeah, and actually, I should, want, I should have brought up our I guess our technically our first exposure. Do you remember in the original Mario Kart, DK Junior was the other heavyweight besides Bowser? Yeah, 
and then he vanishes into the ether again. Um, yep, exactly. But I guess they needed, they couldn't think of any other heavyweights. I'm going to guess that part of it was one because it had been so long, and I'm just speculating. Maybe if I do some research after this, I'll, I'll record something and enter into the episode. It wouldn't shock me if they were like, let's help this give this thing its own identity. It doesn't have to be Mario in a, with a gorilla skin. So yeah. you can try something different, especially when they saw this technology. They were like, Mario doesn't look like this, and it especially does, doesn't sound like this. I know this is the time I think that we get to uh, the because in the final episode we'll be hearing this music, oh, and hopefully it'll be like this is really cool music if you've never heard it before. Rare had a musician. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was saying I'm, I'm happy about the divergence. I think it's led to you know great things to be able to happen for both these characters and these properties. But it's just so interesting. I can't really think of anything else really ever where like these two characters were like you know created as the the the, the bad and the good and then and then diverged in yeah. such a way i will they were, say like, two entirely separate properties i will say donkey kong has become a mainstay in the mario spin-offs like he's in every cart he's in every you know or most of the mario parties and like the sports game stuff like that and over time they've incorporated diddies in some of the games uh funky was in mario kart wii uh they added dixie into the mario kart iphone game stuff like that and levels that are themed around him uh, it's just when it comes to the main games, uh, well, actually, I guess the closest we got is Odyssey, where with New Donk City, that's more of a tribute to particularly the arcade ones, and, yeah. uh, which is really cool that they, res- they basically resurrected Pauline, um, and now she's- Yeah, I thought that was cool, there. I thought that was well done, it was just, it, I, again, I just, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen something in kind of modern, um, yeah. you know, gaming, or even really like, you know, in, in storytelling, where it's like, oh, we, we found great things we like about both of these, let's- branch them off and let them evolve in their own ways. I think it's but cool. If I had to guess that like once Rare took Donkey Kong and made it their own, they were like, let's 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 keep that going. But um so I was bringing up before I get to And we're going to talk about music. Let's yeah. pause for 2 seconds so I can pee and then get back to it. Ah, uh, what harmonious peeing sounds I will integrate. I'm not going to do that, don't you BRB. worry. Please stand by. Okay, sorry about that. That was quick. Good job. Thank you very much. Um but yeah, no, so the music. I, I do want to talk more about the mechanics of the game, but let's just get to this music. Rare had a in-house musician who had been with for a while named David Wise, and I don't know if this is his first Super NES game. It might have been, but um, god damn, was he a perfect fit for this series? And did it really just? Uh, it was just a perfect fit for his 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 creativity and and talent as a musician. Like he's all he's also in like a band uh, outside when he's not doing game soundtracks. The man has a passion for music, and he clearly saw the vibe they were going for. Because you were talking about like this being a case where we looked and like I think this was also a case of it's like when I saw Iron Giant I was like I didn't know you could go this far with cartoons in terms of depth and stuff I looked at these I was enjoying the jumping around and the bonuses and the the animal buddies we'll get to that but I I saw what they were doing with this more realistic world this more like adventurous yet foreboding world of temples and mines and stuff. And this music, this ambient, even emotional, but also it could be jaunty. It could it ran the gamut of emotions, and I was like, God damn, this is next level. This is sparking my imagination and getting me so enthralled with this world. Yeah, I think uh, there there is something like just magical about it, especially with the limitations of the hardware at the time. It's insane what he created with with yeah, the they were able to create songs like I mean, Sticker Brush Symphony from DKC2 is still one of favorite. the best one of the best uh, video game songs that's ever been made. It might be my favorite. And the fact that, you know, we still had all these like beeps and boops going on in so many other different games mm-hmm. at the time for their background music is just like, gosh, it's shocking. Yeah, but it also ties into the sound and, and sound design. Like there were there were echoes, there were like 
when you do the like the when the mine levels or whatever, you hear drips and stuff. Like he was simulating sounds on top of music to make you feel like you're really there. And also like and the Kong sounds themselves. Like I I'm I'm always like shocked by like how good like you know Diddy's like chimp sounds sound against like. DK's like gorilla sounds in the game. Oh my and god, so his idle animation so good. When you leave him there, and he, he beats that, he goes, oh, 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 and it echoes. Yeah. It's like, wow. It's unbelievable. And I think one of the most I, iconic things is most of the Kremlin voices is some pitch of, uh, oh, uh, it's it's so good. Another, yeah, it's, it's just, I don't, I still don't know how they did it within the limitations, but they rare, did, and it was amazing. Rare was just, they are, I, I, maybe they still are, but the technical wizards. Like, you look at the limitations of the, the system they're working on with Nintendo and how much they did graphically and audibly, and it's just like, god damn. Like, they were must have, they were both hard workers, they were smart workers, and they were clearly so passionate about what they were doing. And I have so much respect for them, because the, this is a series that really helped me shape shape me as a gamer that, that I am. I talked about this back in our Rayman episode 2, because if you look at those those 3D Rayman games and how much ambience there were, like, they were still humorous and stuff, but they were there was a dark edge to them, there was a mystical edge to them, and those had amazing soundtracks too. This is even that, like, even more, especially, like, what, you know, think about seven-year-old John playing this, and I'm also looking back, like, 1984 was, like, a banner year for this, like, I think it really enthralled me with the idea of, like, this cartoon jungle world, because that same summer, Lion King came out, so it was kind of this one-two punch of cartoon animal adventure, and I was just, like, injected in my veins. (laughs) Yeah. But it, it, and just other stuff like graphically, like you do that first level with the Congo jungle, and it's sunny. You got that jaunty, that iconic do 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 do. Like I'm sure they're like jazz cuz of that. You get to the second level, it's a little more muted, and immediately it's there's layers of rain coming down. It's nighttime. There's thunder that'll illuminate things. You've got those little armadillos making the roll up sounds. It's it's a little more, it's a lot more ominous and and. I hate those things. But is but do you get what I'm like saying? Like just oh, like, yeah, it shifts unbelievable with the same trappings. They get to the underwater level. You got one of the most beautiful ambient tracks, like this ripple effect on the screen. Uh, shark knocks after you, and you realize you can't attack. But then you find Unguard, and you're like, "Oh shit, here we go!" Uh, I know there's like a general. I will say about this too, and it's my. I think it's the only game in the ever that I feel this way about. Um, I think there's there's like a you know a general vibe out there in the world that people are like, "Ugh, God, underwater levels." Yeah. Ugh. I do not feel that way about these games. I like these underwater levels. I like the gravity of them. I like the way the movement works. I like the way the sinking works. I love the way that in the beginning of every like level, you've got to kind of work your way around things. And then, like you yeah. said, you find unguard. They're more maze-like because you've got a verticality. Like, with these things, the verticality is so cool and I think done very well. And I like kind of the cavernous feel of these underwater yeah. levels. It's like very, very fun to me. And I think it's it may be the only kind of like underwater level thing that I'm like, oh yeah, Dead this on. is awesome. Yeah, because like Mario's is like a lot slower in comparison unless you get like the frog suit. Drives me it's, crazy. I think it's a big part is like the speed. They, they nailed the feel in terms of movement. Yeah. So yeah, Country 1, great game. Um, but little did I know the best was yet to come. I remember the first issue of Nintendo Power that I ever got because, uh, you know, this was like a pre, I wasn't using the internet much or watching TV much for these news. Open up in the back. Next month, Donkey Kong Country 2, and it's this render of Diddy and Dixie on the uh, the amusement park cart, because obviously they might have mm-hmm. before, and like, we're re, kind of reskinning it, but I was, and it was also a picture of them at Swanky Kong's quiz, and I was like, <laughs> new levels, new, co- no, Diddy's the main character? There's another, oh my god, what is this? And got that for Christmas, and personal history was made. I'm putting it on the record now. I've said Iron Giant, favorite movie ever. Donkey Kong Country 2 is my favorite game and game soundtrack ever. It is that game is a treasure. It's, it's unbelievable how they so well managed 
to everything. keep everything that's great about the original, but then up the ante on everything else, from the music to the fact that like the two characters, um, the way the way they perform is yeah. is more different and more fun. Yeah, um, they, more agile. The level design, just talking about like amusement park levels, just like the the way these levels design are are, are done, they're so meticulous and awesome. And they, they it were just already, steps up everything. There were already a lot of creative environments in the first one. I've heard people make Ewok comparisons to the Treetop Village. Um, <laughs> you also, you know, mines were really a part of that back in the day. I remember the uh, walkway levels with the swinging lamps, that very, like, melancholy music. Yeah. Um, where you get the frog too, Winky. I think there's one level called Winky's Walkway. And, man, uh, this is like, we're going to do this dangerous moving park. We're going to do uh, a bayou. We're going to do a volcano, active volcano. We're going to do, you're going to start on the pirate ship the last boss fight was on, but it's way bigger now. Or we're going to do a haunted woods. We're going to do a beehive. Like, oh, you're scared of the zingers and that ominous hum they make? Here you go. And, and of course, I've heard a lot of people point out, remember when you're that level with Ram and you get your first glimpse of the boss, the giant zinger? And you can't oh, yeah. fight it. You gotta run, and the music ramps up, and it's like shit. Go, go, go. There's, there's this like, there's also just like this feel of, and I know it feels like it, it's, it almost feels dumb to say, but there's like this greater feeling of stakes to the game because yes. we've just played this game that we love, um, and then the main character from that game is captured, and it yes. was like at the time I'd never played anything like that, and I was like, oh my god, I have to go save like my dude. It could and be it, inspired like, it's, it's by much bigger stakes than like a pile of bananas being gone. Yes, it could be inspired by DK Junior though. You were DK's right hand guy saving his, his bacon, but that's the thing. Two has a darker, more ominous tone to it, even if you don't know the setup, because they didn't have intro cutscene. This is before that was standard. You had to read the manuals. Can we talk about those manuals and how fantastic they were? I love them. They're so funny. Both that all the intro write-ups are actually genuinely witty and well done and giving the character's personality. Um, I love in the second how it establishes, like, Dixie is such a go-getter and, like, Cranky's like, oh, you can't save him all by yourself. And, and he's like, and she's like, he won't be by himself. I'm going with him. Like, Dixie's, like, my favorite Kong for stuff like that. And just because she was just so much fun to play as with the improbable gliding ponytail. I love it. Um, also, I saw a tweet recently. I was Googling uh, uh, about info about the characters, and somebody asked one of the rare designers, like, what's up with Dixie not having a tail? Because she and Diddy are monkeys. And he's like, no, no, the ponytail is her, is her hair. She evolved weirdly. <laughs> I refuse that. That's that's a piece of, of of information I am not going to put into canon. You refuse Some that, monkeys you, don't have tails. I'm ignoring this. You refuse that, but you accept a fox with two tails? Yes. Okay, because she was yep. basically back, you know, when that Nintendo Sega bitter rivalry was going on where I love Sonic, but I didn't have a chance to play him much unless I was at a friend's. Dixie was like, this is my tail. She can glide. She's got this <laughs> crazy tail that's improbable, but who cares? So that was one question I was going to ask is, do we have any information or knowledge of whether or not Dixie was kind of like a take on Tails or like was, I was kind of a, that up. A, a move on that? I should have looked that up. I can't really find info on her character development. Um, it wouldn't shock me, but I I, I think it's also just because it's not the same. Tails could can legit could legitimately fly. She glides, yeah, and that's part of it. it it's it's um it wouldn't shock me if it was also just to serve uh what they were doing with the game because just the level layout is just so well thought out. Like one had good ones too, but this is like the extra layers you add, and I, I love the fact that they carried over from one. They hold the barrels differently. With Diddy, yeah. you can hold one in front of you and charge into an enemy. You basically get an extra hit. With Dixie and DK, unless an enemy is coming from above, you're still vulnerable. Yeah. And that's such a clever touch. And one of my favorite things, one of the smart things they could have done was, oh, those bonus levels that you could do if you wanted for extra lives and stuff, but it's just, 
it's just there. No, you want 100% all these extra levels in the true final boss ending, you gotta get all of them. Because they added Yeah, and that was, that was one of the first games in my memory where I remembered having to like, like, I, I remember like having to be like, no, I've gotta, I've gotta 100 this thing or else. It's not done. I, it's not done. Yeah, um, the, the Lost World, not Jurassic Park, but the Kremlin Lost World. And and speaking of speaking of just uh, like while we're talking about like you know upping the game and like not resting on your laurels after the first game, I love too how they they don't even keep you know King K. Rule like they yes. they, they they change things up, and I think that's so great. He's not even a king anymore; he's a captain now. That's a and fun thing in the they, trilogy. Different persona every time. This, yeah, and they put this new aesthetic on a lot of the the characters. I just think it's so cool like i love the peg leg kremlings coming in the pirate um, <laughs> it's great it's just so it's so fun they really they in in no way does the game feel like they were like all right we we got it let's just let's just do it again with new levels no. it, it feels like a, they they spent the time and effort they had a vision finding the next thing it just it, it feels like a really it feels like what a sequel to a game should be yeah, keeping what you love, but adding so much more. We haven't even talked about the animal buddies. Do you remember how much we talked about why didn't they ever use Squitter again? Because that was such a great mechanic. Yes! A spider with yeah. eight sneakers who can create additional platforms that you can steer vertically. Which I thought was such a fun gameplay style. And I was, yeah, I was always kind of shocked that we didn't see our butt anymore. Because it's just I found it very, very fun. Yeah, that actually is when we get to it. That's my one big complaint with the, the, new, the, the newer two country games. Is other than a little bit of Rambi and Squawks and Item, they totally abandon the buddies. Um, yeah. By the way, it's. Do, do you think you could go a little past nine? We've only got like eight minutes left. I think we're going to pick up here next week and do a two-parter and do okay. another hour and a half next week. So we have so much left to cover. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's wrap it up with uh, talking about three because this is one of those where still a fantastic game, but a very tough act to follow on two. Um, yeah. I, I, I love to do the pieces, though. I'm not, I'm not going to act like it's some redheaded stepchild. It's, I think gameplay-wise, it's still better than one. I think it's awesome. I love three. I think... For some reason, I don't. I couldn't really explain to you why. I think like Katie Kong was just never that exciting to me. No, he's the least. Uh, There's a, a reason character. you haven't seen him again. It's just kind of a lamer version of Donkey Kong because it's a dope-looking yeah. baby. I don't I, like his design either. But I, God, I loved all the like something I thought about that game that was like very cool at the time where I was like, oh, we've we've added a different like world traveling element to this with kind of the way you're you're building your boat moving around the the uh the world i think it's just awesome yeah and there are these other like there's an adventure game element to it like remember the brothers bear yes yeah bears? i think it's so cool when you're you when you're like collecting these all these things to do these extra buy extra items levels, extra, extra items it's just it's so cool and all, it, to, all to unlock think, more levels and goodies and stuff and the banana birds yeah that, that was how you got to the end stuff like that yeah, I think DKC3 gets kind of the short end of the stick sometimes just because it was like the last one before we moved on to like an entirely different style of gameplay for and a lot of this stuff. also had to follow. And we didn't have as much time to sit with it. Yeah. Um, that was also I think a, it's, a crowded year for Nintendo because in that same like latter half of the year, you had Mario RPG, you had Kirby Superstar, and you had Mario 64 in the launch of N64 like two months before DKC3, which you noticed you, they, they referenced was Rink, when you go to visit Wrinkly, she's playing in N64. One second. I also like, back then I didn't think, oh, there's no theme to this. There's Because the first one had the jungle, the second had the pirate and ominous. No, they do this kind of rustic, semi-European, this is about the wilderness. This is about the, like, the, yeah. the, the western wilderness, and I that's really cool. Like, there's like a wooden plank theme to the early levels in the menus. Uh, you're going to like the, into these sheds. You're going up the waterfall levels. I think are really beautiful. It's just, it's still really charming. Um, but they're just things that fall a little short comparison. Like you said, Kitty is isn't a great. I think the Kremlin designs in this are really weak compared to the first two. There isn't. It's kind of back to there being generic lizards that are like 
this one's not Crusher, but it might as well be the same thing, but he's more generic and dopey, lumpy looking. And You kind of wish there was like something with, with you know, that, that in, you know, incorporates the new K rule motif with more of these villains. Yeah, I didn't that, feel like we got a ton of. Because, well, K rule was a twist. Because remember they build up like, oh, the Camerlings have a new robot leader called Chaos, and you fight him once, and it's at the end, it's just suddenly, Baron K Rulenstein, here he is! And I remember being yeah. a little like, oh, well, that's not as cool as Captain. But mechanically, it is cool that he's using all this equipment. They're like lightning beams and stuff. He's got that uh, that helicopter pack. Yeah, and I think all that's awesome. What I'm missing in there is like some of the ingenuity of the first one. Like, I just want even just like some of the second one, I mean. Second. Just to see some like Robo Kremlins or like some like more like yes. monstrous Kremlins. They should have done. Um, I think I think an industrial theme would have been smart. Um, especially yeah. because there was the factory levels in the first one. We didn't mention those, which are like the one of the most ominous like I could see some of the music in the, some of these games scaring little kids. Do you remember the the oh, I, yeah. I think it was literally called Fear Factory and that's an amazing track. I'll play it in this part. Anything else you want to say about I cuz I think I know I've said 2 by the way that 2 is my favorite game and you've mentioned Sticker Bus Symphony um the the Haunted Woods level. That is mm. my favorite song in a game. It is so I dare say moving. Like that kind of oh, yeah. pan flute. It's it's just it's so ambient it's so beautiful it's so immersive like god there's just there's nothing else like Donkey Kong Country 2 to me it is such it's a masterpiece I, I'm getting geeky here I'm getting silly here about this game with cartoon monkeys but I don't care Rare poured their hearts into this game it had such an impact and it's still so wonderful to go back and replay these games are treasures yeah I'll just say one last thing that I think is is I was thinking about while I was playing through a little bit was just that um, so often now if it's a game that is not dialogue heavy or something like that, I play most of my games on pretty low volume with like a podcast yeah, playing not, in my ear at the same time. And during this game, I like I started with a podcast in my ear, and within like three minutes, I was like, "Oh right!" And I like took everything out, and I just played through this game as it's meant to be played with like the full sound uh, from from sound effects to full the space. the amazing uh like orchestrations in the background i just i just think it's a a beautiful game and it's also you know i'm i i don't discount the fact that it's crazy nostalgic for me yeah. uh, i just think it's it's one I, of the first i still think that games. you could you could give it to a kid today on the switch and be like hey you know dk from uh tropical freeze on switch or from the sports games or from smash here's what he and diddy are up to and they look like, yeah cool. like if they like mario they would like this so obviously you said there's gonna be a two-part i do want to show you one more video before we wrap things up is that okay it's like a minute yeah. long um, so this is uh, this is just ridiculous. This is from uh, a public access show from Maryland, actually, that covered video yeah. games as they came out in the mid-90s and has become kind of infamous for how goofy it is. So listen to some of their quotes when they are raving over the first country. The music also adds a lot to the game. Play it loud in stereo, dude. You can buy the music on CD from Nintendo if your Nintendo isn't hooked up to a stereo system. Cranky Kong remembers music in the old oh, days, but Donkey Kong is truly <laughs> with the times, so to speak. His oh my God! For listening, just pause the game to hear the music without. I would do that. We would do that. Speaking of sound effects, I don't think I ever paused the, the game just to listen to music in the background. Oh, watch this. Noises. Twice. Wait. Donkey Kong Country is truly perfect. If you do not get this amazing new generation of Donkey Kong madness, you are stupid. Yes, I'm insulting, I? but it's also the truth. <laughs> like we just talked for a while about how much we love these games, but, but dude, still, you like I, I'm worried about that. Guy. If you don't get the Donkey Kong madness, Patrick.
<laughs> if you if people do not play these games and submit to our Lord and Savior Donkey Kong, they are stupid. <laughs> I don't much like advertising that calls me stupid. This isn't this advertising. Process. This is a video game review show. <laughs> he was going. Well, anybody like disagree with them? There's so much more for us left to cover. Yeah. So uh, next week we'll we'll meet and go over kind of the N64 and beyond, as well as some other kind of fun tidbits yeah, like the, the, the show dark and period the- and then the Renaissance. because some stuff happened with DK and Rare. So then let's wrap up real quick uh, with a little bit of... Patrick, where can people find you online? Um, So I'm not really uh, someone you should look for online. I don't post much anymore. My stuff is mostly private um, because I'm scared of people I don't know bugging me. But something you should go and do now is um, during uh, COVID times, uh, the improv theater that John and I have both studied at and worked at and done stuff at has had to close down, of course, uh, and yep. a lot of these live theater and comedy uh, venues are are you know are going to get hit pretty hard by this, this stuff. They already have. So them. if you got a couple extra bucks, every dollar counts. Go to witdc.org and donate um, to the theater. It's an awesome, awesome place. And also, if you are a person who's always wanted to try improv or just really stretch your comedy muscles during this time, Wit is offering some really, really cool online improv classes that i've heard amazing amazing things about that i think are really worth checking out so and that's I, that's gonna be my plug and i recommend their uh the workshops i did two of them with two different people one of them was your friend uh ceci mm-hmm. and the other was i believe named samantha and both tremendously talented and helpful people made some good friends there uh wit is a great company and yeah they deserve your support i will i will leave a uh, a link to their their site in the show notes if that helps that'd be awesome um, but look forward to this the the next part of this episode where we discuss uh all the crazy stuff that has happens uh it happens after this and eventually returning to the country format and some uh some very banana slam and spin-off material. Ugh. If you don't decide to get excited when I say that, you are stupid. <laughs> I just want to start doing that uh that Dexter's live episode where it was written by the kid. <laughs> you are stupid. You are stupid. You are stupid. You are stupid. If you don't like this Donkey Kong madness, you are stupid. That sounds like a Schwarzenegger voice. That is not a good Dexter. It does not sound like Dexter. No, it does not. Good night, everybody. Good night, y'all. When I see a smile on your hairy face, I know there's no other right that could take your place. I see bananas when I look in your eyes. I shower you with coconut cream pie.